Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read from verses 1 to 20. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 20. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will, re- will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God, so that you take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me. That whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. May the Lord bless the reading of his words. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. The word of God reads, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven, you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome 
the wicked one. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. The title for this morning's message is Who You Are in Christ. Who You Are in Christ. We hear a lot today about identity. And sadly, this has led many astray and to think that feelings should determine who we are or our desires that they should define us sadly we hear too much in the from the lgbt in the news and often it is not good news people want solutions ways to seek hope and they see their purpose and meaning in discovering who they truly are. But if somebody came to you today, maybe a survey out in the street, and asked, who are you? Who are you? What defines you? What would be the first thing that would come into your mind? Do you think of some political organization you might be part of? Some football team? Perhaps even your family? And while certain things and groupings may define us on a lower level, what ultimately defines who we are? How would you answer the question? Sadly, we don't often point towards we are who we are because of Christ. We have been changed and conformed. The Spirit of God is in our hearts. Give us new affections, new desires, so that we grow in our hatred of sin and our love of righteousness. How would you answer that question? We live in a world of confusion, a world without identity. Searching for identity in everything else but the gospel. Because the old world in a lot of ways is being destroyed. Now, there may have been bad things in the past. Of course there were. But the new extreme is certainly worrying. It gets so extreme at times, people will deny biology. Who are you this morning, this very day? Somebody asks who you are. What is your identity? Is it in Christ or is it in something else? There's nothing more important than this. And if you are in Christ, then that you would learn of who you are. That you would see the blessings that come with being a believer in Jesus Christ. This is why John the Apostle wrote these things in 1 John. Verse 12, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. At the start of the book, he writes out in the start of chapter 1, that which was from the beginning, referring to Christ. And he lists out different things, you know, what we have heard and seen. And why did he do that? Verse 4 says, These things we write to you that your joy may be full. Okay, you're saved. 
Now what? Who are you? Christianity is not something you do one time and say, I'm done, I'm good. This is something you grow in the grace and knowledge of the truth. If it's truly something that is a reality in your life, that you are part of a heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of God, and that you've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, surely it will define who you are. And this will define you, no matter what your age, the sin you had in your past, your intelligence level, your relative weakness or your perceived weakness, and your defeats. And we're going to look at these verses under those headings. No matter your age, number one. No matter your sin, number two. No matter your intelligence, number three. No matter your weakness, number four. And no matter your defeats, number five. No matter your age, number one. If you look at the way John the Apostle writes here in verses 12, 13, and 14, he says, I write unto you little children, verse 13, I write unto you fathers. Next he says in the same verse, young men, little children again, little children, fathers, young men. He's looking at what? The three major stages in life. He's speaking to everyone. This includes everyone from the very youngest to the very oldest. We were dealing with the children's message in that passage from Matthew 19. Isn't it remarkable when you think about it? The children wanted to come to Jesus and the apostles were like, no, that this isn't a good idea. There's always some group or some age group Perhaps you think somebody's older is no more of value. No, no, this includes everyone, no matter your age. Yes, we must be reminded of this. This is why John wrote it this way. You're never too young to serve the Lord. You're never too young to bless the church. And you're never too old to do likewise. Little children at the beginning. And he uses this term at the start of chapter 2. Little children, these things. Speaking to everyone. Every single group. No matter your age. This is who you are. I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you. For his name's sake. Your sins are forgiven you. This spiritual state of believers is for all. Because the Christian church essentially is a family. Some of you, perhaps, by coming to Christ, may have become distant from your own family who doesn't know Christ, perhaps. But you have gained an even greater family of God. You have now spiritual brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, fathers, mothers, and children you can bless in being a good example to the, the Sabbath schools and other ways that people can bless the next generation. Even John the Baptist was regenerated in the womb. Now that isn't always going to be the case. Covenant children, those who are under, were born into the church, won't necessarily be regenerated in the womb. 
But is there any age group that God says, no, that's not important? No. Even in the womb, the babe left, as it says in Luke 1, 41. Should we, how do we take this as an application? Should we despair at our age? Because different ages, you know, will often say for as I am in my mid-30s, and you almost kind of think, well, wouldn't it be wonderful to be here in your 20s again? Or, or maybe a bit older, so maybe take, people might take you a bit more seriously, or whatever the case may be. Don't despair at your age. Young people, do you use your age as an excuse? We often treat our children like, you know what? They can serve God maybe when they're in their teens and then we might take it seriously. No, no. They are part of that great kingdom of God. And what does that mean? They're to be instructed in the way they should go that when they're old they will not depart from it. As early as possible surrounding them with the word of God. There are many people throughout church history who have blessed the church at a young age. Famous example in the 17th century, or in the 16th century, sorry, Edward VI, who died at 15 years old and was one of the most influential people in reforming the Church of England, taking it away from its Romanist influences, more towards Reformation doctrine. And he died at the age of 15. And was very ill through much of his life. No matter your age, there is no excuse. Serve God with whatever you have. And it's not in a vacuum. These things will tell you your sins are forgiven. You have known him who is from the beginning. Verse 13. All these blessings, you have overcome the wicked one. These are not in a vacuum. These are not blanket statements for everyone who will just come into a church building. Throughout this book, this epistle, John is warning them and putting warnings to who? Outside rebels? People who do not profess the name of Christ? No. It says in verse 7, brethren. In verse 3 of the same chapter. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So after all these things, these tests, the the fruit of genuine conversion, that these things are true, I write unto you little children so that you will grow, what? In assurance and confidence and joy and peace. And these verses come immediately after. One of the most crucial tests. If you're a Christian. Verse 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. How easy is it to say that we love God. But what if we don't love our brother in Christ? It's easy to say. And we can come up with many different excuses. But this is a fruit of genuine conversion. That we will love our brethren in Christ. Why? Because they're being changed. 
and conformed imperfectly into the image of Christ. And you will love being in their presence. Oh, little children, I write to you because your sins are forgiven. What a joy. What joy that your sins are forgiven. And for his name's sake. Number two. Number two. No matter your sin. Now, before we get into this, it's important to state this does not mean sin does not matter. We can swing so quickly towards, well, sin doesn't matter, the law doesn't matter, to a kind of a legalistic carrying around somewhat of a depression. Sin is still vile. It does not mean sin is okay. Actually, the more we love God, the more we will hate sin. If you want to see very quickly, what is your relationship with God like? What is your relationship with sin like? Again, it's very easy to stir up sentimental emotions briefly. But do you hate that which God hates? And do you love that which God loves? Sin is still shameful, horrible, and a stench before God. But... Does it keep you back from God? Christ died for sinners, not for people who had it all sorted out. He died for sinners, for criminals. And it's very, it's very, very important that we do not lose sight of that. The righteousness of sin... Because if we don't see how wretched sin is, we won't see how compassionate and merciful our Savior is. The whole point of when you when you go into when you look at Leviticus and the, the, the heinousness of sin and how it spreads so quickly and how evil and wretched and the stench it is before God is that we see the beauty and the mercy of Christ. Your sin this very day, dear Christian, will not rob you of salvation. It will rob you of joy. It will rob you of assurance. Your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. You should serve him with joy. What joy? And why have your sins been forgiven you? Because of you? We can often make it, well, I I repent it. And it's true. We're called to repent and believe the gospel. But it's not of ourselves, as Ephesians chapter 2 tells us. Lest any man should boast. It's for his name's sake. For his reputation's sake. And how much better is that? You know why? His name's sake his reputation his glory is far greater is far more secure will never ever change if it had to depend on us for a single moment for a single second we would lose our salvation like that praise God it does not depend on us we have a far greater savior However great your sin may be in in the past, 
And even now, and if you are in some serious sin, repent. Don't make an excuse for it. But there is nothing but a hardened heart that will keep you back from God. It's The only thing that keeps the sinner back from God is not God. It's the sinner. The, the salvation is offered to all. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's not saying to the crowd around Jesus, isn't saying to them, as long as you have a certain level of repentance, now I invite you special people. Everyone, come and partake of this fountain of living water. We have a far greater Savior. Don't diminish how merciful and compassionate he was. Jesus looked around and saw them in Israel as sheep without a shepherd. And he was compassionate. And he was a sinless, harmless, glorious Lamb of God. Don't make your past sin as an excuse to not serve him today. There's many different Ways you can bless the brethren in Christ. Encourage them. It's There are some people I am so glad for. In my Christian walk. Who encourage me. And it's not just basically they come up to you and tell you how wonderful you are. But they encourage you in the right ways. They point out the word of God to you. They stir up your affections towards heaven. These are wonderful people to have around you. And if you have brethren in Christ like that, cherish them and thank God for them. Don't make your sin an excuse. I was too wretched in the past. I'm I'm too damaged. Serve him. If you're in Christ, you are now a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you believe that? Christian? It is so easy. I did it for the first year I was saved. I came out of pretty much it was pretty much an alcoholic and different things. And I suppose in some ways you're almost you kind of you fall into a kind of a legalism that something somehow you're gonna make up for it. You cannot make up for it. It's bondage. There is a freedom here. Freedom from your sin. Freedom from the eternal consequences of sin. From the wrath of God. And you are free. Serve him today. With this in mind. Serve him today. If a slave has been bought with a price. He belongs to his master. And it's not just in this kind of a. Horrible sense. This person, the servant, slave is the same word in Greek, has now got a new heart and he wants to serve his master. He rejoices and loves to serve his master because he's been born again. And the the person's identity belongs to him. Do you belong to him? Serve him as if you belong to him. What is your identity? Does it show itself? And there's nothing, again, your age, your sin does not keep you back. 
Come to Christ and rejoice in him. Number three, no matter your intelligence, no matter your intelligence. Now, I realize there can be some perhaps unknowns if people maybe suffer brain damage and things like that. But apart from that, especially in today's age, Education is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's good to learn things that help us in practical ways. But we've made it almost today like an idol. And people get their identity and meaning from the latest test results, how well they're doing perhaps in college. But these blessings... The spiritual state it speaks about in verses 12 to 14 of 1 John chapter 2. It says here, verse 13, I write unto you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. Young men, because you have overcome. Little children. And again, verse 14, I've written unto you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. That's everybody. Everyone knows who is from the beginning. Who is that? Jesus Christ. It refers to that in chapter 1, verse 1. Who is from, you know him. From the young children, the little children, all these three stages of life, you know him. If you're in Jesus Christ, you know him. Now, we thank God for those people in the church were academic gifted and they can bless the church but at the same time no matter how bad you might be at school or even the academic who thinks perhaps he knows it all or whatever do you know Christ where all the other facts you may know this is the most important thing do you know the father All know him. The academic. Fool to the scholar. And again. This does not mean do not use your mind. Use your mind. And use it to the greatest extent that you can. Read good books when you can. But do you know him? The most important thing to be known. The most important person to be known. Is Christ. But it shouldn't define us. It shouldn't define us. The value of a person. Does not depend. On the person's intelligence. All know him. And this should humble the scholar. The person who's got a lot of books. And reads a lot of stuff. And they should encourage. And I put this in quoted. For to come is the fool, the person who maybe doesn't have any confidence. I, I can't do that. Okay. But take courage that you have known the Father. That's the most important thing to know. The, the most important one to know. People might say, What do you know? And then there's the popular slogan well, Who do you know? Do you know Christ? Do you know the Father?
often there's these exclusive clubs, maybe golf clubs or perhaps parties and things like that. And a person might come up to the door and say, well, you're not on the list. What would people often say? Oh, no, I, I, I know the owner. I know this person. By knowing Christ, by knowing the Father, through Jesus Christ, his Son, we gain admission to the most amazing place, the most amazing privilege. People talk about privilege a lot today. But Christians have a great privilege, something we have not earned, something that has been given to us because the Lord has been compassionate and merciful to us. Based upon he who is from the beginning. Because you know Christ, you know the Father. Little children, because you have known the Father. What a great, wonderful thing. And it repeats it then again for emphasis in verse 14. I've written unto you fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And again, with all these references... This is for everyone. All the age groups. All the levels of intelligence. Number four. No matter your weakness. No matter your weakness. Verse 13. The middle part of verse 13. I write to you young men. Because you've overcome the wicked one. And again it repeats. Something very similar again in verse 14. I have written unto, I've written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. It's interesting how young men are told they are strong twice. It doesn't say exactly the same thing for fathers. In one place it says you have known... Uh, you know, um, writing to your fathers, who's, you've known him from the beginning. But it's interesting how it, it singles in on young men, you are strong. Now again, this is for everyone. If you're in Jesus Christ, by yourself you are weak. By yourself, each and every one of us are but worms before God. But because we're in Christ, we are strong. And we have overcome the wicked one based upon what Christ has achieved and done in our stead. But it's interesting how it's young men. Because you've overcome the wicked one. Young men. You are strong. Especially in the day we live in. Young, especially among young males. Suicide is a growing problem in the world. And even sometimes within the visible church. Young men are vilified often purely for being young men. Often for the mistakes of their fathers or the previous generation. Masculinity is not popular today. And I mean this in a biblical sense. There's a, there's a kind of a pseudo-masculinity that has nothing really to do with being a man. Maybe what the culture thinks about it. You know, maybe knocking back beer or eating spicy food or something like that. But that is not what being a man is biblically. 
But what a man is called to do, lead, in his family, the elders in the church, deacons, as they help in various ways. But it does feel like today, young men are under attack. You take away... You hear a lot about these stories, people who attempt to take their own life, sadly, that they, they lose their purpose, meaning and that's from the psychological point of view. Sadly, it is also a sin problem because it is sinful to go to that place. But this is often what people say. Young men, you are strong. When you're a child... You're playing, you're enjoying life, Lord willing, and you don't have the cares of the world. When you're older, generally, I speak generally now, you don't have to prove to people anymore, almost. You feel a bit more relaxed. But when you're that young stage, you feel like, ah, I'm useless, I'm weak can imagine people who went off and fought in the First World War, Second World War, maybe 18 years old. And they were probably trembling when they were taken off those boats and stormed those beaches for the first time. And they probably had somebody 10, 20 years older than them putting their hand around them, encouraging them. Young men, you are strong. There's times when we need to encourage each other. There's times when we need... We're a body, brethren. We're a body, a body of Christ. And again, this weakness that you know that we may focus on. This is talk about all. Let's talk about every single person who feels isolated. You are strong in Christ, not in yourself. Not in yourself, because your identity is not in yourself. It's in Christ. Young man, young woman, older man, older woman, young child, you are strong in Jesus Christ. What was Moses to do with Joshua as he was finishing his ministry? Encourage him. I fear we're not very good today in the modern churches of encouraging each other. We should encourage, but in the right ways. And again, this is not about telling you, you're the most wonderful. No, no. Encourage them in the Lord, about what they have in the Lord. That they think less of themselves, and they think of Christ and his power and his promises towards you, dear Christian. Not, because here's the thing, if your confidence for any length of time is in yourself, and as soon as you fail, it's gone. It's evaporated. Why are you strong? You're an overcomer, a victor in Christ. You've overcome the wicked one. You've overcome that spiritual Goliath. From an earthly, from a, from a certain point of view, we look at that great monster and think, I can't defeat that. 
But in Christ Jesus, you have overcome. Not that you will, but you have overcome. You have victory in him. And not only that. Not only that, verse 14. You are strong and the word of God abides in you. The word of God. What's another reference for the word of God? The sword of the Lord. We read earlier in Ephesians chapter 6. But the whole armor of God. We have a mighty weapon. You feel more courageous with the sword of the Lord in your hand. You must have confidence in this book. You must have confidence in this word. You must have confidence. Have you ever gone out with no confidence in your weapon? If you have no confidence in your weapon, do you think you will use it? Do you have confidence in the word of God? That every jot and every tittle is breathed out by God. It's from God. Not just from John the Apostle. And yes, he wrote this. But under the inspiration of God. Scriptures breathed out by God. As it talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Christians, you have the most mightiest weapon on this earth. The sword of the Lord. And last, number five, no matter your defeats, okay, you're strong in Christ. But what about my failures? What about my failures? What about my disappointments? I expect it to be much farther along in my walk or whatever else it is than I, than I am now. What do I do? Somebody might even despair. Am I even a Christian? While you are an overcomer in Christ, you will fall down. The question is, for the Christian, will you get back up again? And why? Because when you're in that pit of sin, whatever that sin is, your joy is taken away and you're miserable. Because the Spirit of God is chastening you. Walking in the Spirit is joyful. Keep reminding yourself of that. Walking in the Spirit is joyful. The world does not offer joy. Not lasting. It's fleeting. It's temporary. This is where joy is. This is where true happiness is. This is where everything that's important is. These are the, the spectacles we are to look at everything else in life. Will you get back up? you fall down and the Lord will help you to get back up but the Lord will not leave you down the way unto life Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 14 talks about this is narrow or difficult it is a kind of a narrow way and the Lord chastens and keeps those people his people in The narrow way. Not the wide road to destruction. The narrow way. The prodigal son. 
runs away from his father, takes all his inheritance, and ends up in the misery of eating the food of the pigs. Can you imagine eating swine's food at the utter lowest, eating the pods? What does he long to do? He longs to go back to his father because this is miserable. In the same way, if you're truly born again, sin is miserable. And when we do sin, we are chastened and we long to return to our father's table. We long to be in his presence. We long to be by his side. It's the only place we feel comfort and it's the only place where we feel we are who we are because we're in him. This is all true because you belong to him. This is all true if you belong to him. There's a lot of ifs in this chapter. If you belong to him. Is your identity in yourself? Is your identity in someone else? Is your identity in some sports star, some film star, some musician? You All your life perhaps revolves around some famous person. Who are you this very day? Where does your identity lie? For the true Christian, embrace it more and more. That you will be more confident, that you will grow in assurance, that you may serve him more. And not use your age, your sin in the past. Even your intelligence, your weaknesses, your defeats as excuses to not wholeheartedly serve him. With everything you have, with every fiber of your being. Will you stay down with your sin? Genuine Christians can think... You know what? All I deserve is the pig's food. So that's all we focus on. And yes, there's joy in heaven. Of course there's joy in heaven. But there's joy here and now. In this world. In the word of God. With the spirit of God working in our hearts. Today. It's the joy of the Lord. Your strength. Often we can think of, oh, heaven's going to be wonderful, isn't it? Yes, of course it will be wonderful. But why will it be wonderful? Because we will be with him. We'll be with Christ for all eternity doing what? Worshipping him. What does the first question of the short catechism say? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Enjoy him. We often leave that part out. Do you enjoy the presence of the Lord? 
Do you enjoy the benefits that come with Christ? And union and communion with Christ. Do you feast at the master's table? And eat sumptuously the best food? Or do we seek scraps from the world? Do we seek the world's wisdom? Do we seek carnal's carnal knowledge? Do we seek to be impressive before men? And of course we don't try to put any obstacles to the gospel before others. But what is our ultimate goal? Christ came on this earth. And his ultimate end was to glorify God. Who are you this day? Do you know who you are this day? I pray it is in Christ. Amen.